This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shops, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. This morning, the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, took to the TV studios in a week where his departmental remit has been very much back in the spotlight. The Austrian government has announced it will be going back into a nationwide lockdown, and there is heavy speculation that Germany might do the same. Although Javid said that the UK is still following Plan A and that a winter lockdown is very unlikely, he told Trevor Phillips that things were far from rosy in the National Health Service. You yourself have said that waiting lists could climb as high as 13 million. Uh, Do you happen to know, by the way, where we are on waiting lists this weekend? What's the number? It's 5.9 million, roughly, for elective people waiting for uh, elective procedures. It's around 5.9 million. And uh, and as I've said, I've been really clear, this number is going to go up before it comes down. Why? Because some 7 to 8 million people stayed away during the height of the COVID crisis because they were asked to. They did what was asked of them. But I want them to come forward. I want them to come back to the NHS. I want them to know that it is open to them. And if you take that along with normal demand, of course, that's huge pressure. And can I say, you're right to talk about the pressure on the NHS. It is significant. And, and I think everyone working in the NHS, and certainly from everything I hear, everything I've seen, they are doing an absolutely amazing job and they will get all the support that we can possibly provide. Javid spoke to Andrew Marr about his feelings on mandatory vaccinations for all citizens, another measure which Austria is putting in place. Uh, You've seen these really vociferous protests and sometimes violent protests in in Austria in particular about mandatory or compulsory vaccination. Can I ask you, would you ever accept compulsory vaccination in the UK? No. I mean, it's not... I, I don't... It's up to Austria other countries to decide what they need to do. We are fortunate in this country that although we have vaccine hesitancy, it's a lot lower than we're seeing in other places in Europe. But also, I just think at a practical level, uh, taking a vaccine should be a positive choice. It should be something that if people are a bit reluctant, that we should work with them and encourage them. So with the exception of what we've done, for example, with healthcare and social care, which is very different, you're choosing to work with vulnerable people in terms of uh, requiring mandatory vaccination for the general population, I don't think that's something we would ever look at. Ma also inquired about a story highlighting serious concerns for patients from ethnic minorities, especially during the pandemic. Let me ask you about another story in the papers this Please. morning, which is about oximeters, which mm. are, are meant to measure blood oxygen levels yeah. and apparently work much less well on people with, with brown and black skins yeah. than white skins. Um, you have launched an inquiry into this. Uh, does, does that mean that the NHS has been failing Uh, people from ethnic minorities for some time. This isn't just about the NHS. This is systemic across the world, what I've found. This is about a racial bias in some medical instruments. It's unintentional, but it exists, and oximeters is is a really good example of that. So if I had a pulse oximeter here right now, you use it, put your finger in it, it's going to give an accurate reading. I put my finger in it, it's going to more likely to give an inaccurate reading. That cannot be acceptable at any level. I found this out because I wanted you, to know... I'm sorry to sorry. interrupt. It's very yeah. serious. Do you think that, that people have died of COVID-19 as a result of that? I think possibly yes. Yes. I, I don't have the full facts and that's, that will be across... Uh, these oximeters are being used in every country and they have the same problem. And the reason is, is that 
lot of these medical devices, they're all even some of the drugs and the procedures, some of the textbooks, most of them are put together in, in majority white countries. And I think there's a systemic issue around this. And I've discovered this really through taking a real interest in disparities, but wanting to know, for example, why during the height of this pandemic, that a third of the people in ICU units from COVID were from black minority ethnic backgrounds, double the representation in the general population. And these are some of the answers I got back. And I want to make sure that we do something about it, but not just in the UK. This is an international issue. So I'm going to work with my counterparts across the world to change this. Phillips asked Javid about the government's plans for dealing with the significant rise in migrants attempting to cross the English Channel. We are seeing a huge rise in irregular migration across the world, including, of course, Europe. And sadly, we're seeing many of these your people smugglers, these criminals, these vile criminals that are exploiting uh, people. And what we're seeing in the channel is, is that, that, you know, that sort of so-called business model of these smugglers. I mean, this, this route, this 21-mile route across the channel, that this is some of the most dangerous waters in the world. It's one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world. And no one should be risking their life yeah, across this. And it's the people smugglers that are to blame for this. And it's right that the that's, Home Secretary is looking at every option that there is to try and break this business. That's, that's all true. But the, na- the words take back control echo in my head. And it seems to me that the last thing that's happened is that we've taken back any control. In fact, we handed it over to the people smugglers. Would you have tolerated this number crossing the channel were you Home Secretary? Well, no no one will tolerate this number. The Home Secretary well, set out how this is... Does, no, no, of happening. course not. She's doing a, a huge amount of work in trying to break this business model. So the, the Nationality and Borders Bill that she's brought in front of Parliament now, coming back to the House of Commons soon, that is setting out a whole bunch of new measures and actions we can take. And let's, and let's be clear on this, Trevor, that you know, people that are... This country has a great track record, rightly so, of providing security and protection to those people who are genuinely fleeing persecution. And we've done that recently just with Afghanistan, and and, and it's been right to do that. But we do have to ask ourselves is that if people are trying to get to the UK from safe countries like France, are they genuine asylum seekers or not? And it is right to ask that, and it is right to change the rules to, to, to take that into account, and that's what the Home Secretary is doing. Phillips also interviewed the Shadow Home Secretary Nick Thomas-Simons, who is scathing about Priti Patel's handling of the migrant crossings so far. The point I'm making is that the Home Secretary is comprehensively failing in this policy area, and it appears the Prime Minister agrees because he seems to be putting the Minister for the Cabinet Office in charge of a review of this. But the Home Secretary's failure is a dangerous failure. We have thousands of people risking their lives in these most dangerous sea lanes, the most dangerous sea crossing in the world. And if the rate continues as it is at the moment, if the rate of increase from last year to this year is repeated again next year, we'll have as many people risking their lives in the channel as there are people in Priti Patel's constituency. Her incompetence on this issue is dangerous. Is your objective to provide Uh, safe travel for 25,000 people who want to land in Britain? Or is your objective to stop 25,000 people who want to land in Britain uh, coming short the beaches? 
My objective is to stop people risking their lives in the English Channel in the first place. One person risking their life in the English Channel is one too many. I, I've, I've been to Dover. So, so your Trevor, point is you want to, you want to, you basically you want to stop. You want, you want to stop the, the you want to stop people coming here. That's the basic. That's the basic bottom line here. No. Hang on, no, that, that, that's, that's not quite what I'm saying at all. And I've already mentioned the issue of safe routes, and I've already said that would be a fundamental part of what I would be doing as Home Secretary. But what I'm also saying to you, Trevor, is that we have to prevent people risking their lives in the English Channel, because that is what is happening on a virtual daily basis at the moment. And Pretty Patel is comprehensively failing to prevent that from happening. Maros Shevkovic, the Vice President of the European Commission, joined Ma, who asked about his discussions with Lord Frost about the trading difficulties imposed by the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, David Frost, the UK, Lord Frost, the UK negotiator on all of this, has given this morning um, a fairly straightforward sounding answer to what he thinks the, the solution would be. He says, um, goods which both we and the EU agree aren't going to leave Northern Ireland should not be treated as if they were moving from one country to another because they are not. Goods going into Ireland should be checked in the Irish Sea to protect the EU's single market and to avoid a hard border. Is there anything about that with which you disagree? I think that uh, what uh, was very important uh, in uh, the Lord's Frost article was uh, the word of urgency. And I sometimes I have the feeling that I have the feeling that if our meetings that I'm only one who push for urgent uh, solutions because we've been putting on the table the proposals on solving uninterrupted supply of medicines uh, to Northern Ireland since 30th of June. And I remember very well that uh, Lord Frost has been telling me that what is very important for him is not only content, uh, but also process. And therefore, I was waiting if he can deliver on that uh, solution uh, jointly. And uh, I have to say that until today, this is uh, not the case. We had some progress on Friday. If uh, we would be still in this mode of political posturing and bringing new and new problems uh, to the table, I don't think that we will solve the most pressing mm. issue for the people of uh, Northern Ireland. And therefore, we might be acting alone to make sure that the Northern Ireland uh, people will have the uh, medicines they need. And I think this would apply to all other issues, because whenever uh, there is uh, the, the problem presented, okay. we always uh, find the solution. And finally, Professor Sir Andrew Pollard, the director of the Oxford Vaccine Group, gave his prognosis on how the UK was likely to fare over the winter months amid rising COVID cases on the continent. If we look at what's happening in other countries at the moment, they're just experiencing the start of another wave of spread of, of infection. And the reason why the virus spreads is a combination of changes in social distancing, whether that's lockdown measures or, yeah. or mask wearing, and plus the immunity in the population. Uh, we've actually had um, some spread uh, going on since uh, the summer. And so I think it's unlikely that we're going to see the very sharp rise um, in, the, in the next few months that's just been in seen. In a sense, we're ahead of that. We're, we're already ahead of that with, with this particular virus, the Delta variant. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman, and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffeehouse Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash evening blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>